Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amiibos. What's up, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, Jared, a.k.a. Statman, a.k.a. 85 from the Me Bros Podcast. Reporting to you live from the man cave. Uh, I told y'all every week I'm going to be going uh, in live, going over some topics that you guys send in, as well as some uh, thoughts that I have from the week of sports ahead of time. Obviously, you know, uh, every week we drop the uh, Me Bros Podcast uh, on iTunes, uh, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Google Play, Podbean, basically everywhere you can get podcasts. But... A lot of times it's me and my two brothers, we get a chance to argue, uh, debate our, our, our points. Uh, I don't get to dive in as much as I like to uh, on, on a few topics. So there's a couple I wanted to get into today. Um, obviously, we're, we're done with week two of the NFL uh, season. And uh, one of the prevailing themes that we're seeing a lot uh, is just injuries to the quarterbacks. Um, we have now six starting quarterbacks. Uh, that are going to miss this week's game at least um, due to injury. I mean, and it goes from from the unfortunate, which is a ben, Big Ben hurting his elbow, needing to get Tommy John surgery, all the way to, uh, I don't understand how it happens, Sam Darnold getting mono. I mean, unless you're dating a teenager, I'm not really sure how this thing's going on, uh, who's catching mono these days. Um, but um, with that being said, uh, I'm seeing a lot of sports shows. Everybody's talking about, you know, hey, you know, Colin Kaepernick's agent, reached out to a lot of teams and, and said, hey, he's in the best shape he's been um, in his entire adult life. He's been working out the last three years straight every uh, or five days a week at 5 a.m. Uh, to get his body prepared. And I, I don't doubt at all that he's in phenomenal shape. But I think it's time to let this go. Um, not because I think we should, um, because of the fact that I obviously think he should be playing. But it's time to let it go of the actual thought process that somebody's going to give him an opportunity. Because let's be honest. If they didn't do it, if nobody is going to give Kaepernick an opportunity to play when there are playoff berths at stake late in the season and your quarterback gets hurt, then why would we expect that right now teams that are in a lot of cases tanking or teams that feel like they have an adequate backup quarterback are going to just switch it up and go with Kaepernick, even though he's obviously the better player. Now, when I say that, you know, let's look at a couple years ago. Uh, the Titans had Mariota, who gets hurt every year. Mariota got injured. Uh, they needed to win some games. They were playing the Dolphins on the road. Um, and they said, no, we're going to go with Matt Castle, who hadn't thrown a pass in, in years. Uh, Matt Castle had negative seven points in the game. If you ask how do you have negative seven points, you score zero points, and then you throw a pick six. So you essentially were a negative seven. They lost that game, and they missed the playoffs by one game to who team? Guess what team? The Dolphins, the same team that beat them in that game. That game cost them a playoff berth. Last year, Redskins, the, uh, obviously they were, they were going uh, earlier in the season uh, with Alex Smith, and then he gets hurt, and then they bring in Colt McCoy. But they're two games up on everybody in the division. Colt McCoy breaks his leg. Also, uh, obviously Alex Smith breaks his leg significantly, and they have an opportunity to possibly make the playoffs. And they reach out to Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson. Uh, Josh Johnson hadn't thrown an NFL pass in over four years. Uh, Mark Sanchez, I mean, we know him as the butt fumble. So when we look at 
if they weren't going to give Colin Kaepernick an opportunity when there were playoff bursts at stake, when there was clearly not even an adequate choice at backup quarterback, I think we can get past the thought process. I know I appreciate the agent reaching out to a lot of teams and making it public to kind of shame some teams into taking an opportunity, taking a chance on them. I don't see it happening. But here is the, the major point I want to get into, and this is something that has bothered me for years. We've been told by media, by NFL former execs, by actual execs, coaches, etc., that the reason that we don't see a lot of mobile quarterbacks in the league uh, as backups is because of the fact of it'd be so difficult to change from having a prototypical pocket pass right quarterback and then having to change a complete system to be able to integrate with a quarterback that has a different set of skills. And a lot of people believed it. I never really did. But now we're at a point in time where if you're looking at the league, at least a third of the league is would you would consider our mobile quarterback at least having the ability to run and when i say that i'm i'm going at at least Aaron Rodgers athletic ability or above uh you got Deshaun Watson obviously Russell Wilson uh you got i don't think he's very good but Mitchell Trubisky Josh Allen super athletic Lamar Jackson i mean not to mention anything Kyler Murray i mean you go through the list there's at least a third of the league that has a mobile quarterback at that position and what are we seeing we're seeing them being backed up by prototypical pocket passers. And my question I've always had is, how is it that you don't want to put a mobile quarterback behind another mobile quarterback if that's the only way you can run your offense? Because I was told, I've been told for decades, I've been told for years, that if you're a quarterback and you're a pocket passer, then we can't back you up with a mobile quarterback. That was the reason why nobody wanted to take a chance on Vince Young after his, his stint with the Titans, although he made two Pro Bowls, although he went 30-16 and 16 as a starter, although he had 20 touchdowns to 10 picks and 103 quarterback rating over his last 16 games, and over those 16 games, he went 12-4. and four. I was told a lot of teams didn't want to take that chance because of the fact of they didn't want to have a mobile quarterback behind their pocket passer. Uh, I watched a couple years ago. Uh, I'm a Texans fan. You guys know that. I watched the Texans a couple years ago. Lose Deshaun Watson in a, in a knee injury. There was Robert Griffin III, who was living in Houston, who was begging for a tryout. And we threw out there Tom Savage and Taylor Heineke. Heineke's from Atlanta. I've lived here for a decade. I never even watched him play in high school. Like, so at the end of the day, I never heard of the kid until I just realized, oh, I think he came from Old Dominion, if I'm not mistaken. But with that being said, there is a... Uh, ton of teams right now who could use an adequate backup quarterback that could fit a very similar scheme to what their quarterbacks are doing. There, nobody tell me right now that Colin Kaepernick is not better than Mitchell Trubisky. I, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me he's not better than Gardner Minshew. Don't tell me he's not better than uh, all these quarterbacks that I'm seeing. start. I mean, Kyle Allen might be starting, and I, I think he's somewhat talented. He was the number one high school quarterback a few years ago. Never paid down in college. Uh, but if you have... Cam Newton, who's obviously dealing with a significant injury and plays nearly an identical style to Colin Kaepernick, why not take a chance? Because I've been told for years that's the only way you can run an offense is to consistently have a backup quarterback that fits the style of the starter. But apparently that's not the case when it boils down to it. Other topics I want to get into, and we're going to get into some college picks. Um, obviously, last year, I'm, I'm, last week I had some ultimately bad beats that happened from the picks I told you I went two and two uh, but it should have been a much better number um, but I, I want to get into a couple other topics um, the Cleveland Browns I don't want to harp on Baker Mayfield every time I go through this podcast but 
did anybody watch the game and see how bad that game was? I mean, I knew the Jets were going to be pretty bad. I mean, especially when Trevor Simeon went out and Luke Falk came in. And whenever they bring in a quarterback and the conversation that they talk about the quarterback is, yeah, he struggles to throw the ball outside the numbers. Uh, I mean, that's kind of required if you're going to be a, an NFL quarterback that's going to be playing any meaningful snaps. If you can't throw the ball outside the numbers, I mean, how, how can you threaten the defense? And as good as Le'Veon Bell was, minus that fumble in the long run, that he's going to be the starting quarterback this week versus the Patriots. And then you got the Dolphins. Well, I just, I, let me take a second before I get back to Baker. I feel so bad for Josh Rosen. Could you go to a worse situation to start your career? You go to the Cardinals. The Cardinals have a, a GM who gets a DUI and is still the GM. And they had no talent. They drafted Robert Kimdichie out of Grayson High School here in Atlanta, who was a, a, a talented prospect. But you cut him two years later after you drafted him in the first round. You draft Josh Rosen in the first round. You trade up to get Josh Rosen. You trade him a year later. Clearly, you have no idea what you're doing in that position. And then you hire a head coach in Wilkes, who's now the defensive coordinator for the Browns. You fire him a year later. So you're just you're just playing it, winging it like like it's Madden franchise mode. And then they trade you away, and you're like, okay, finally, maybe fresh start. And you go to Miami, who trades away all the players that have any value on the team. You trade away Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, and I get that. You got some value. You trade away Kiko Alonso for a bag of Skittles. Now you trade Mika Fitzpatrick for a first-round pick, which I, I don't blame you for that. But you got Mika Fitzpatrick 12th and overall in the draft. Steelers might be the 12th pick. But Mika Fitzpatrick was a very good player. Still is a very good player. Very versatile. He plays safety, can switch out some corner. I think he's actually a, a little bit better version of a prospect. He's not as good as him right now, but he's almost like a Tyron Matthew from his versatility to be able to guard in the slot and also to be able to cover in the safety spot and to be able to come up and play the run. Nick Saban said he's as talented and as valuable of a football player as he's coached in his career. And you get rid of him for a first-round pick. So now you're Josh Rosen. You come into the Dolphins. During the offseason where clearly you have a team that's full of incompetence. You have Kenny Stills who's got anthem controversies. You have the coach who's new who's coming in, who's playing Jay-Z songs 10 times in a row just to try to get under Kenny Stills uh, under his skin before he trades him. And I think there's a good possibility he's never going to get an adequate chance to start a quarterback. And in, in reality, I think he's a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. I think if you, and I'm not telling you he's better. Lamar Jackson looks fantastic so far, but if you put Josh Rosen and you put him in the Ravens system and you allow him to sit for a little bit behind Joe Flacco and then to come in with a great running game, a great defense, a solid offensive line, and a competent front office and head coach, I think Josh Rosen would look good. But I don't think we're ever going to get to get a chance to see that. But back to Baker Mayfield. I think the biggest problem he's having right now is he created this runaway train. I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys have ever uh, – one of the things that, that, that I used to like to do uh, is we, would, we had this huge hill at the top of our uh, street where, where, we, uh, where our house was. We lived at the bottom of the cul-de-sac. It was a huge hill. And we would get on these uh, the rollerblades, and we would race down the hill as fast as you could. Problem was you got all the way down to the bottom, and you had to stop really quick. I'm sorry, hitting my, my camera. You had to uh, you had to stop really quick in order to be able to you know not crash, not fall. And you know we were country. We didn't have any uh, 
you know, knee pads, elbow pads, whatever it was. And that all goes great. Whenever, like, we, we had this little the little hump that goes into the driveway. You go as fast as you could. You hit the brakes. You turn. You hit the hump. And you jump in the air. And you land. And you ride into the garage. And you, it was like, oh, yeah, this, this was fun. Let's go do it again. The time, the last time I did it, I'm going to tell you why I stopped. Didn't realize somebody had stopped at our house. It was somebody that came to fix it. I want to say it was a fridge or something. It was a big old repair van. And I was coming down the hill as fast as I could, not paying any mind, you know. Um, as Jay-Z said in his line, it'll cost you nothing, pay me no mind. I was paying no mind to anything around that whole street. And as I rode my roller bay blades all the way down the hill, started hitting the brakes, turned Hit that little hump right in front of the driveway. Flew in the air and didn't realize there was a van right there. Hit this van full speed in the air. And that was the end of my rollerblading days down the hill. Sometimes you get this momentum going and you think like, oh man, this is going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have... And there's a van right in your way. And that's what Baker Mayfield did all off season. Talking about, oh, you know, this team, we're just, everybody's going to hate on us just because we're so talented. And everybody thinks we're hype, but it's, all the hype is real. Hype doesn't look real to me. I mean, right now, Baker Mayfield has started 16 games. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, 15 games in the league. 16 total games he's played. He started 15. He's got 18 touchdowns, 18 interceptions in 15 games. As I've said for years, the thing that bothers me is people who have bad decision-making and leadership positions when it comes to sports. If you make bad decisions in your personal life, you're probably going to make bad decisions on the field. It's not like I, I always talk about personally me. Whenever I get off re- regimen, whenever I'm undisciplined in one area, it translates over to other areas of my life. If I'm undisciplined with my eating, if I'm undisciplined with my exercise, then I'm typically undisciplined with my prayer time. I'm typically undisciplined with with my call time or doing stuff productively for work. The the and whenever vice versa, whenever I'm super disciplined, whenever I'm like, oh man, I woke up, worked out. Has smoothie for breakfast and, and a protein bar. I'm whenever I'm doing all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. Typically, I go to work. I'm much more productive. Uh, I, you know, I, it, it's, it 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 goes over. Um, it, it, it it I know the word, but it overlaps. Baker Mayfield showed you he had bad decision making in college. He was flipping off people on the stands. He was grabbing his crotch at the other players. I mean, it's a police video of him trying to run away from a cop and still not being athletic enough to get away. And now what we're seeing is on the field, he takes risks that are unnecessary. And now you have the, the, the situation where you have Odell Beckham Jr., who is a diva himself. You have Jarvis Landry, who's not getting hardly any targets. I mean, I think he had three catches for 20 yards. That's not going to keep him happy because he's going to be wanting to continue to get his money. And although he's close with Odell, he didn't sign up to get three targets, three catches a game. I mean, that's, that's not what he's looking for. And you got a head coach who has no idea what he's doing. I mean, I think the thing that, that makes me laugh more than anything is when people say, oh, can you believe that 90% of people that win the lottery, over 90% of people that win the lottery go broke? You know why they go broke? It's because they have bad spending habits. And you know how you know that? Because they buy lottery tickets. Because buying lottery tickets is, hey, I'm going to put my present dollars that I have right now on a one in 50 million proposition. Now, if, it, if that number gets up to, hey, look, it's a billion dollars, I'll take $3, $4, buy some mega millions. Tell you, look, it's disposable income. 
But if you're somebody that consistently puts money in the lottery, you have bad spending habits. And if you win, you're going to continue to have bad spending habits. And when you're the Browns, you're a dysfunctional organization, and you continue to do dysfunctional things, which is I'm going to bring in as many outlandish personalities as I possibly can. You got Kareem Hunt coming in after week eight, who's extremely talented, but needs, I mean, if he went to the Patriots, I'd be like, oh, that's going to fit perfectly. How's that going to look with the Browns? How's he going to feel when Nick Chubb's getting all the carries? Or how's Nick Chubb's going to feel when all his carries are cut because Kareem Hunt's getting the ball a lot more? And then I, I just don't see this team progressing. And all the games that we thought, oh, those are going to be easy wins. The Bills aren't going to be an easy win later in the season. The Ravens, who we thought, oh, second half of the season, that, that's going to be an easy win. No. Uh, I don't even know if the Bengals are going to be easy wins the way they're actually throwing the ball. And A.J. Green's going to come back eventually. So you got to guard A.J. Green, and you got to guard John Ross, and you got to guard uh, my kid from uh, from Pitt that I can't think of his name just signed the extension. Um, so, end of the day, I don't think this is going to go very well for the Browns. I think it's going to be um, – I said I thought it was going to be an 8-8 eight and eight kind of season. Uh, to me, watching that game, I mean, that's going to be a 6-10 and 10 kind of season in my opinion. But we'll see how it goes. Now, here's what I really want to do. There are three games that I want to really get into from a college football standpoint. There are three big games. I won't be able to watch all of them. I will be uh, my niece, Damon's daughter. Uh, it's her birthday Saturday, so we're going to be going and doing some uh, petting zoo and all this kind of thing. So I'll be, I'll be off for the earlier games. I will be back for the later games so I can get to watch them. But I'm going to tell you what my perspective is on all these games and why I think these games are going to be so important to the college football playoff race. If you look at it, the first game, 12 o'clock, Michigan going to Wisconsin. Now, everybody is very down on Michigan right now, and rightfully so. Michigan should have lost to Army. Um, their offense has looked anemic. Their uh, offensive line has been um, dominated in basically both of the games they played, and they, they haven't played significant competition. Although Army, uh, Army's a good team. Everybody that's saying, oh, how could they almost lose? Oklahoma almost lost to Army last year. Uh, Army missed a 30-something yard field goal to beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma, and Oklahoma went to the playoffs. So I'm not telling you that Michigan's going to fall off the face of the planet, but, I mean, do I see them beating Ohio State? No, I don't. Um, but to walk through this game, I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup because I think Michigan's actually going to win the game. Uh, the reason I think Michigan's going to win the game is their strengths line up very well with Wisconsin strengths. So Wisconsin, what they're known for is running the ball. They have a pounding running back in Jonathan Taylor, who's a Heisman front runner, who uh, you know had eighteen hundred plus yards his rookie season or freshman season, and they like to pound the ball, line up, and run at you. And if you're the Michigan, one, you have a team that's built to stop the run. One of their their things they like to do is to go man to man in the blitz. So the run blitz should be something to be able to give problems for Jonathan Taylor. But the second part of this is. What gives them most problems are fast, speedy receivers, and Wisconsin doesn't have any. And as much as I've seen Shea Patterson struggle the first couple games, Shea Patterson is an elite talent. You're not the number one high school quarterback in America by, by just happenstance. And I watched him when he was at Ole Miss. He was a gunslinger, but he put up points, and he threw the ball around. And I think at some, a certain point, it's going to click. He's got a new offense, a new offense coordinator. And I think Gaddis has uh, been able to... Uh, try to implement a few things, but it hasn't worked right so far. But I think this is the game it clicks. I think Michigan is going to win this game straight up. Um, I think that, you know, Wisconsin, last I checked, I think they were a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. Uh, if you can get Michigan, you know, with any points, fantastic. I would take Michigan money line straight up. That's going to be one That's one of my picks, that I say, of my three picks from college football this week. The next game, 
Texas A&M and Auburn. Look, as much as I liked Auburn's story for being Oregon and um, Bo Nix, I've been a fan of Bo Nix for a little while. Um, obviously, you guys know I'm a Clemson guy. Uh, Bo Nix came to our camp a, a few years ago, and everybody was raving about how, the, the prospect he was and how well he threw the ball. So I've been kind of following him in the recruiting ranks, following some of his high school film, um, just looking at, at at him progress. And he played at a, he he dominated in high school. The the I think the most random stat you could find uh, in the Oregon game, he got sacked, and they said it was his first sack since his junior year in high school. Who doesn't get sacked for a season? I mean. You're, who's your offensive line? The, I mean, the Patriots? I, I, I don't know. But with that being said, they're going into a hostile environment. They're going to the 12th man, College Station, Texas A&M. And what you're going to see is I don't think they can make it out of there undefeated. I don't think they get a win. Look, one of the things that I saw in the Texas A&M-Clemson game is Texas A&M has a solid defensive front. They were able to minimize what Travis Etienne was able to do from a rushing attack and to make Trevor Lawrence pass the ball. And they have a couple corners on that team. I'm sorry, my camera keeps moving. Uh, they have a couple corners on that team that are extremely physical and extremely big. They're, they have a corner on that team, the 6-4, I believe it was, who was matched up with T. Higgins, who did a very good job. Um, I think if you look at this matchup, one, you have Bo Nix, who is going into a hostile environment? His first true road game. Dallas was a, I mean, 50-50 crowd. It was, uh, you know, it, it was at Cowboy Stadium, neutral site. Texas A&M is a tough crowd to play at, and Texas A&M plays well at College Station. Under Jimbo Fisher, they've lost one game at home. That game was to Clemson last year by two points. So I think when you're looking at that game and that matchup. I'm expecting them to be able to get after Bo Nix. And one of the things that's overlooked, and I think a lot of times what happens is whenever somebody wins a game, we forget about the way the game actually took place. We forget about what actually happened during the game. And if you watch that game, they got dominated for three and a half quarters. The only reason they were able to beat Oregon was because Oregon decided, hey, look, we have a top five pick in the draft at quarterback, but let's not let him throw the ball. Let's just try to drain the clock. And as they've done the last two years, Mario Cristobal has mismanaged the clock. I mean, literally, he's he's blown four games by mismanaging the clock in the last two seasons alone. I'm not even going to get into the Stanford game, which lost me about $300 last year, where literally all he had to do was kneel the clock, and he ran it, they fumbled it, and then they kicked the field goal to win the game. Uh, but, so with that being said, I'm actually expecting Texas A&M to win this game pretty handily. Um, I'm taking Texas A&M to win the game. I'm going to say it's going to be a lower scoring. I'm going to say 24-14. to 14. I think Texas A&M defense is able to stifle them. I don't think uh, Texas A&M is going to get a, a ton of points because Auburn does have one of the best defensive lines in the country, um, and I think they are going to be able to get and, and rush the passer. But one of the things that we saw is Kellen Mond at home is a lot more comfortable than he is on the road. A lot of people are going to look at the game he played versus Clemson and say, hey, it was a you know it was a terrible game, and I'm not even going to going to dispute that. I watched that game. First half, there were some open throws. There were, they had a chance to take control of that game early on. I don't think they would have won, but they could have made it an interesting contest. He missed so many throws in the first half. And then once Clemson made the adjustments, once Venables was able to figure out what they were doing from an, from an offensive standpoint, second half, he really didn't have a chance to throw the ball accurately because they, they kind of figured out the, the strategy of what they were doing. But first half, he had some open throws. He missed them. I don't expect that to be the case. Uh, in this game this week when they're playing at home versus Auburn. Take Texas A&M. Uh, last I checked, I thought it was, it was around a pick em. Uh If you can get Texas A&M in points, take it. If you can get them and you got to give up points, anything less than three points, take Texas A&M. Last game. This is my Book It game of the week. And I'm so excited to talk about it. I'm so excited. I'm going to crack a Diet Mellow Yellow. 
or a Mellow Yellow Zero, the, the, uh, the drink of champions. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin cracking over uh, Kansas soda as opposed to his Kansas beer. But whatever. Georgia versus Notre Dame is one of the most exciting games I'm looking forward to this season. And the reason is Notre Dame has been getting hate all year. All year. The last couple years, everybody just assumes Notre Dame sucks. I don't get it. It baffles me. Um, let, let's just put this in perspective. Notre Dame, three years ago, two years ago, beat LSU in the bowl game. And that was with a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball. Then they switched to Ian Book, who can actually throw the ball. They've lost one game in the last two seasons. If you include this year and last year, they've lost one game. It was to Clemson. And it was less than what, they, what, what Alabama lost to Clemson. And somehow, Notre Dame sucks. Somehow, Clemson, the only reason they, they, you know, Bama was just so tired. They had to play Oklahoma. And Clemson, I mean, they only had to play Notre Dame. And Clemson told you after the game, look, we thought Notre Dame was the better team. Now, I'm not telling you that Notre Dame is necessarily better than, than Alabama, although right now after watching the way Alabama played versus South Carolina, probably are. But Notre Dame's going to Georgia, and they're getting 13.5 to 14 points depending on where you go. If you can get... 14 points for Notre Dame. Just take your yearly salary. I mean, look, you don't have to do it. But if you want to be rich, just take your yearly salary and put it on it. You're going to get that money back. I mean, and more. I mean, just you're going to double your money. If, if, if you've saved all this money and you're like, hey, look, let me go buy a house. No, no, no. Don't do that. Take the down payment that you're going to put on the house. Put it on Notre Dame plus 14 points. And then buy a bigger house. I don't know. Get a dope man cave like I got. Makes me feel happy. Anyway, uh, look, this is the way to do it. Let's look at these games. First off, Notre Dame played Georgia two years ago. The game was at Notre Dame. It was a compelling game. It was with Brandon Wimbush, the quarterback, who is now the quarterback at UCF, who could not throw the ball. And Georgia won 20-19 on a last-second strip sack in the fourth quarter. Since then, I've seen Georgia play a lot of games versus a lot of highly ranked teams. And I haven't seen them go well. I watched them play LSU last year. They panicked. What did they do? First drive, they didn't get a first down. Middle of the field, go for a fake punt. Doesn't work. LSU blows them off the field. I watched them play Alabama. Winning most of the game. Late in the game, tie ball game, what do they do? Fake punt. Panic. Get blown off the field the rest of that game. I think at the end of the day, what you look at is, I get, I get this. If we're comparing quarterbacks... Fromm's probably slightly better. Not much. He's not a substantial upgrade over Ian Book. And if you're looking at their roster from a receiver standpoint, Notre Dame definitely has better receivers. Uh, Georgia might have had better receivers before they had to kick off their best receiver for the beginning of the season. Running game, Notre Dame has great running backs. Obviously, Georgia's probably running back you with with, uh, Alabama right now. So Georgia has better running backs. But they lost Andrew Thomas for the next couple games, who's their best tackle, who they've been running the ball behind. He's a 6'6", 345-pound uh, left tackle. So he's out of the game. So you got to back up in. Well, yeah, actually, they, what they did was they took their, uh, their left guard, slid him over, and then they put a backup in at guard. But now the interior of your defense, is, of your offensive line is somewhat compromised. And you have all these expectations. And the last time I saw Georgia play a game versus a very highly talented team, 
They got run off the field by Texas, and it was they got manhandled. It was one thing if it was like, oh yeah, they got down, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they they fought and they barely lost, and they just didn't take them as seriously. No, they got manhandled the entire game by Texas, uh, and so now I get to get 14 points. Tell me the last time Georgia beat beat a top 10 team by more than 14 points was no Sean Moreno the running back? Was Matt Stafford the quarterback? I don't know. Um, look, at the end of the day, you have a team. That has is being disrespected. They have all the mo. The, the, there's no pressure on Notre Dame because nobody expects them to win. They get to come out with the underdog mentality. And if we're going from a coaching standpoint, who do I trust more, Kirby Smart or Brian Kelly? Hmm. How about the guy who's won everywhere he's gone? Besides, you know, Kirby Smart, he's done well. I'm not taking anything away from him. This is his first head coaching job, and essentially, he got he came in. And he got the number one recruiting class his second year. And he's had top three recruiting classes since. And he's had a chance to win a national title. But from an X's and O's standpoint, I don't think he's comparable to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is at a university where it's extremely hard to get people, people into school. It's extremely hard to recruit to. And in reality, you have three different components. You have the academic regimen, which is unlike any other school out of Power 5 outside of. There's probably five of them. Power 5, you got Stanford. Uh, you got Michigan, you got Northwestern, um, you got Notre Dame, um, and maybe Penn State. I don't know. Penn State's not even that that quite level. So you have that. You have the religious. You know, it's a Catholic school, and then you have the fact that it's no, it's not in a warm weather town, and it's nothing really to do there. So it's extremely hard to recruit. Brian Kelly's won at Cincinnati. He's won it. He, he literally is taking, taking his team to the playoffs, taking his team to a national championship game or another case. At the end of the day, Brian Kelly, I'm going to give him the odds on, or the, I'm going to give him the advantage from, from the X's and O standpoint. So when it boils down to this game, I got Notre Dame winning it straight up. I'm going to say it's a, a, a fairly high-scoring game. I'm going to call 35-31 Notre Dame. But if you can get 14 points, just book it. Just buy yourself a nicer house. Take the money you're going to buy yourself a car with and – Put that money down. And buy yourself a range. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm just throwing some 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 ideas out there of ways you might want to spend your money. You might want to just give it to a charity. I don't know. I'm giving to a charity right now. I'm giving you guys free money. Take my advice. Those are my three games. I would say do my three college games. I'm doing my one professional game. Um, look, bet against the Dolphins. It may be 21 points. It may be 22 points. That line keeps, keeps moving up. Pick the Cowboys. Look, one thing we know, the Dolphins don't care anymore. And if the Dolphins don't care, who am I to care about them? Look, take the Cowboys, bet their line. You can take the – also, take the Patriots. Those two lines, are, is, historically this week, it's the first time since the 60s outside of the, uh, you know, the – strike season where it was like all right joe montana and jerry rice playing versus uh replacement players it's the first time since the 60s where you had two teams that are that are underdogs by over three touchdowns in the same the same week both of them are gonna still cover i told you last week to bet to bet the the patriots um cowboys can name a score patriots can name a score this week either one is gonna be good also um I expect the Texans to win the game straight up versus the Chargers, but three and a half points is a lot of points. If I I get three and a half points, so even if they lose by a field goal, I still win. Um, I love that line. Take the Texans. Obviously, guys, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, 
questions or anything you have, um, definitely reach out to me. Let me know. Uh, I will try to get those answered on the podcast. And uh, good luck. Oh, one last thing I want to say before I, I cut this off. Last week's picks. I do want to go over those. So uh, my three college picks, I should have been 3-0. The uh, Alabama game, if you saw the video, made me so angry. Uh, so anybody that didn't, fi- didn't follow it, didn't see what happened, um, I took Alabama. I recommended you guys take Alabama minus 24.5 points uh, versus South Carolina. They scored a touchdown to go up 24. They had an extra point in the fourth quarter, and he missed the extra point. And I said, that's going to be the freaking point that makes me not cover the spread. And then my buddy Justin, he's like, no, no, that's not, that's not going to be the case. They're still going to score again. And I said, mm, we'll see. And they scored a touchdown to go up 31. Then they got to stop with 30 seconds to go. I'm sorry. It was 16 seconds ago. They get a stop on a fourth down, but they rough the passer. So they get a new set of downs. Then they allow a touchdown pass, an extra point, and they win by 24 instead of 24 and a half. Look, man, I, uh, I should have been able to give you guys three for three last week on the college games. I mean, what can I say? The other one I told you was the Jets. Uh, I thought Dar- I knew Darnold was going to be out. I didn't know Quentin Williams was also going to be out. Didn't know that uh, the linebacker, C.J. Mosley, was going to be out. Um, I didn't know that Trevor Simeon, the backup quarterback, was going to get injured. Look, man, it's been a bad week for injuries when it comes to my picks. Uh, in, in the other podcast, um, I, I picked the, the uh, Steelers. Roethlisberger hurt his elbow. Um, I picked the Eagles. Half their team got injured. They literally didn't practice today because they didn't have enough healthy bodies. Um, and then I picked the Jets and, you know, their backup quarterback got hurt. So, look, it is what it is. Um, guys, be, be sure to uh, share the post, like it, um, you know, follow us on, on any of the social media platforms. Uh, you know, some of you guys are following me right now, listening to this on, on uh, IG at Amibros underscore podcast. Um, you can look at us on Facebook.com forward slash the Amibros or on Twitter at, uh, at Amibros at Amibros podcast. That sounded better in my head. And, uh, Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, wherever podcasts are available. Appreciate it. Y'all, be out.